and welcome everybody to the Racing Pod Blast as we take a quick fire look at the weekend's racing from a stats and trends viewpoint with me, Tony McCormick, and Ben Aiken from Narrowing the Field. Hi Ben, good week? Yeah, all good mate, you? Yes, yeah, yeah, looking forward to... um, to this, it's the fourth one, isn't it? Yes, number four. four. Yeah, number yeah. four. Yeah, good busy week for me uh, on a new radio station on uh, Epic Radio now, and handing over to Mike Reed at seven a.m. Good stuff. What beggars? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what he said? Uh, no, that was Alan Freeman, mate. Ah, uh, before my time, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> enough of that, enough of that. Let's get yeah. uh, stuck into the latest episode of the Racing Pod Blast. We start this week by looking at the main action from the Aintree card on Saturday, which features the Grand Sefton Handicap Chase over the National Fences at uh, 11 minutes past two, live on ITV4. Then it's a, a small de- deviation to the bit you're all here for, our top, middle and bottom football tricksy. And then we close with our best of the rest section from the remainder of Saturday's uh, racing. Uh, so off we go. First race covering at Aintree is the 101. <laughs> 101. Potemps handicap hurdle. Uh, what you got for that one, Ben? Yeah, eight runners, uh, all coming off a break of 100 days or more in a per temps qualifier. So who's fit? Who's here just to qualify for the final in March rather than win this actual race? Um, not a regular race I've got any trends for but a couple of horses of interest. Jericho Rocky. Now, he's a horse I have marked down as one. He's got, a, I think he's got a good chance of picking up a, a decent ball or fences this season. Uh, same with Ashtown Lad. Um, I also think he could pick off a, a half-decent staying handicap chase when he gets his conditions. Uh, both of them are future chase entries pending. So will they be fully tuned up for this? Not sure. Uh, Milan Bridge. Clearly a progressive type, probably one with a, um, a good deal of improvement still to come. I doubt a mark of 126 is anywhere near his ceiling, so he, he might be the answer to this. Um, but the most interesting one, I think, could actually be Desi Abba. Now, he finished a neck second in the race last year. Philip Hobbs has saddled seven runners in this race, picked off one win and four placed efforts, None of the seven finished worse than fourth. So he's not uh, adverse to getting one ready for this race. Um, Desi Abba himself, he has strong form under the following conditions. Class 2 level or below in November to February, over 2 mile 4 to 3 mile 1 for long trips. He's four wins and two places from eight starts under those conditions. I think he looks overpriced here. Um, he could be could be worth an each-way double Desi Abba. Lovely. Good stuff. And the 101 we're looking at, I have got, Ben, uh, I've had a look, there's just a couple of trends that interest me. Irish or French bread, uh, GB bread's a one from 15. Uh, first three in one of the last three starts and uh, that, that beginning of this season and the end of last season included. And uh, officially rated 128 plus Milan Bridge, uh, a bit of a negative, but not crossing him off the list uh, at 126. But I'm liking the uh, John Joe O'Neill train flight deck. Not been seen since winning a uh, Carlisle Potemps qualifier last December. So obviously plans went out the window there after winning that, beating nine rivals, 
one and a quarter lengths on soft ground can give a good account on return to action in the colours of JP McManus. If there are any chinks in the armour of Jericho, Rogue or Milan Bridge, the eight-year-old uh, can take advantage here. Flight deck in the 101 at, uh, at um, where we at? Aintree. Aintree. Yes. Good stuff, Tony. Good stuff. 136. Right. One, 136. Novices, handicap, chase. Uh, five chasing debutants here. Now, I actually think they all make um, a decent enough level of appeal as chasing prospects. And it's probably a race to keep an eye on going forward from this. Um, as for who I think is the most likely winner, I reckon I can make a case for all of them. Uh, but I've actually been having a real deep dive into sire stats this week. So I'm going to throw this stat out at listeners. Shan two geldings on chase debut over two mile, two furlongs or further. Um, and that start at around six to one or less. Now, they are 29 wins from 64 runners for a 45% strike rate and 56 points profit. Now, that would be a positive to Monbeg Genius. Um, John Joe had a winner at Carlisle at the weekend. He was also a chase debutant, so you'll have it ready. Um, again, though, it's, it, it's more a race. I think it's a hot race, and it's one I'm going to watch closely for future pointers because I think... All of them should be winning over fences this season. But, uh, yeah, the Shantou stat is interesting for me, Tony. Yourself? First run after a wind-up as well, Monbeg Genius, yeah. We lo- we yeah. love the, yeah, just new listeners, we do love the Sire stats uh, here at uh, the Racing Pod Blast. Yeah, 136, Ben, Dr. Ken here interests me. Uh, distance winner for trainer Ollie Murphy uh, by Dr. Dino out of a Kendor mare. Progeny of the Sire have a good record on good to soft and uh, basically uh, I just think that I think looking at the pace stats uh, and the pace map rather they I think Ollie Murphy may well ask Aidan Coleman to set the fractions from the front here 136 Dr Ken on chasing debut there he's around 100 to 30 this morning on uh, on Friday morning 4th of November when we're recording this uh, onto the uh, the national fences Ben the Grand Sefton now we've had uh, a 25 to 1 winner Two 20 to 1 winners and a 16 to 1 winner in the last 10 years of the good old Grand Sefton over the national fences. I do like Broken Halo. He was last seen at uh, winning a Fontwell novice chase by 17 lengths in March on good to soft ground. Trainer Paul Nichols knows his progeny of the sire, Cave Tara, inside out. Just have a look if you can get a chance to have a look at any stats, listeners, uh, with Paul Nichols and uh, the progeny he has in his stable of Cave Tara. He does like his Cave Taras. The family of the Sire return a 56% winning player strike rate when running between 2 mile 5 furlongs and 2 mile 6 furlongs for Paul Nichols. The 7-year-old is 2 from 4 on good to soft and 2 from 5 with the jockey uh, Lorcan Williams in the plate. And at a bigger price, Ben, uh, just a sporting one, the Golden Rebel. 2 from 12 in his career. Uh, he's two wins, uh, so two career wins, both left-handed, both on good to soft, and both wins have been between two mile four and a half furlongs and uh, two mile five furlongs. Bit to find in this class, possibly the Golden Rebel, but a spot in each way on the Golden Rebel in the Sefton. Good stuff. Um, I, I've got some notes on the Golden Rebel. I, I oh. like him, um, but it might not, you might not like it. Um, I wonder if he's just a Doncaster horse, Tony. He's... Um, He's only ever won at Doncaster. 
he's never really looked like winning elsewhere. I hope I'm wrong because I actually think he's a potentially much better than what he's shown so far. But th- this will tell us. Maybe the, the national fences will spark him in life. But yeah. um, we'll see. Hopefully for you to do. Yes. Um, well, so each way, I've if got... he finishes in first four, it's fine. Yeah, I'll do nicely. <laughs> um, right, I've got a few trends for this one. Um, last 10 winners all had at least 15 career starts, had between 8 and 24 chase starts, and finished unplaced last time out. So um, that kind of narrows the field a little bit. Um, now, I'm actually going to be covering this race in quite a bit more depth for my own members. So at the time of recording, I've not fully delved into the race just yet, but Senior Citizen does jump out at me. Um, he's run over these fences four times. He's completed each time, and he's placed twice, including this race last year from a one-pound lower mark. Uh, his form of breaks of 150 days or more, three wins and a second from four starts, and you'd be hopeful and going well again over these fences. He does does seem to enjoy them. So at the time of recording, Senior Citizen looks good to me, but I'm going to have a proper, proper dig into it later on. Um, now, next race, 2.45. Yeah, 2.45, best odds guaranteed. Day before hurdle, uh, yeah, class two, yeah. over two miles, four furlongs, uh, four go to post, Langadan, uh, course and distance winner for Harry and Dan Skelton. Brewing up the storm, another course and distance winner. Sean Bowen in the plate. Ollie Murphy, trainer. Uh, trainer Jeremy Scott saddles Dasher Drasher uh, for Rex, jockey Rex, Rex Dingle and uh, Void de Rev, uh, of course, for Ian Jardine, uh, winning uh, Newcastle winner in March. Uh, four going to post. Uh, Void de Rev, by the way, in the uh, in the colours of Lee Westwood, one of the owners. Uh, he's the uh, big outsider. Uh, nothing for me here, to be honest, in a in a four runner race, Ben. But I do believe you have one. Mm, probably not for a betting, but um, yep. brewing up a brewing up a storm, unbeaten, seven from seven at class two level and below. Top rated in the race. Doesn't have to give weight to anyone, so actually receives weight from Langerdan. Running off a third wind up, one first him up off his first two wind ups, won this race last year. I think he probably wins again, but he's priced up accordingly. You know, I I can happily leave it alone if I'm honest with you. But yeah, yeah it's not very interesting. But the uh, the three eighteen. To my old classy handicap chase, a little bit more interesting. Um, only money, I guess, is the the obvious one. In the form of his life, as is his trainer, uh, Jamie Moore actually rides the yards chasers quite well, especially when near the head of the market. There's a couple in here that I've got noted. Um, Gunsight Ridge, I think he's still in a decent market present. I actually think he might improve. Uh, when stepping up to two mile four, two mile five trips, but he, he could run well on this still. Uh, he ran third in it last year on seasonal debut. All his wins have actually come off shorter breaks, so again, might need this to sharpen him up. Um, but again, he is a horse that is firmly on my radar, and he does actually fit an Ollie Murphy first time wind up angle of mine. So I'm interested to see how he goes. Same with Venetia Williams, Gallop de Chase, 
who is also having seasonal debut. Now, Venetia's November handicap chasers on seasonal debut, they're actually a profitable bunch to follow. So in the last five years, they've hit around a 20% strike rate and 85 points profit. Um, she's not had hardly any runners since May. So a little hard to tell where her string are at right now. That's not unusual for her, admittedly. Um, she does have a couple at Fontwell today, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. But Gallop D. Chase is how I'm calling him. It's probably not his name. But um, <laughs> Gallop D. Chase, he's like Gunsight Ridge. He's on my radar, and I expect both of them to buy in at least a couple of wins over fences this season. Um, will it be tomorrow? Not sure, but they are two that are noted by me and I'm keeping a close eye on them. So, mm. Yourself, Tony? Anything uh, Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I'll be watching it, watching Brief for me, the 318 at Aintree. Uh, plenty in here with conditions to suit on the ground and over a similar trip here, Ben. Um, if not winning form, but place efforts as well. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, how the couple you mentioned there, the Venetia Williams and the Ollie Murphy Runners go there in the uh, in the three eighteen, but uh, nothing for me. Uh, those are the main races for Aintree covered on the Pod Blast. Uh, anything for else uh, on the Aintree card, Ben? Yeah, not a massive interest, but I do have some interesting stats again for the the bumper, um, and it's packed full of bumper debutants. But Black Sam Bellamy Geldings that make their bumper debuts on a left-handed track are 14 wins from 68 for 21% strike rate and 90 points profit. So they do outperform what the market expects, um, actually by 74%. In this one, there is Lemoyne for James Ewer. He fits those stats. Um, John Joe O'Neill Jr., he picks up his first ride for the yard as well on Lemoyne, which is interesting because he's actually quite a solid jockey in bumpers. Um at the end of the day, it's it's an early season bumper with you know, most of the field making their career debuts. So, you know, I'm not going to be getting stuck in. But some of the analysis I've been looking into this week, um, Lemoyne did catch my eye because those the Black, Salome, Black Sam Bellamy Geldens on bumper debut, they do run better than the market expects. So I'll be keeping another a close eye on Lemoyne. Hopefully it'll be a decent price. Might, I might have a each way crack, see, I'll see what the market looks like when it forms. So Lemoyne, possibly. Yeah, it'll be interesting, won't it? All three-year-olds, of course, in uh, in that bumper. Yeah. Uh, as well at uh, three um, three fifty, three fifty. The yeah, final what, race. What, a proper time this time. Yes. Uh, yeah. Right at the end. A little bit too oh, late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right then. On to uh, top, middle. And bottom, it's just for fun, folks. Don't uh, don't forget, it's a one-pound Trixie from us both, me and Ben. Uh, so four-pound in total. Result for a team in the top six, a win or a draw from a team in the middle seven, and same for the bottom seven. So here we go, top, middle, and bottom. <laughs> by the week the strike it lucky theme but anyway there you go top middle or bottom top middle or bottom who's going first uh, am I going first here Ben 
Yeah, yeah go for it. Can do no copying mine, Ben. I, haven't, I know what you've been doing the last couple of weeks. We'll have George, yeah. VAR George, onto it. And just a reminder, yeah. after after the uh, the uh, pod blast, we have VAR George with a couple of uh, boxing, a boxing double, I think, uh, coming up after the podcast. Uh, let the music fade out. And then VAR George is in on the boxing with a boxing double. But uh, on the uh, top, middle and bottom, Newcastle to win at Southampton, uh, 10 to 11, that is. Uh, I'm still, uh, yes, those of you who have been listening in the last couple of weeks, uh, it's a waste of time waiting for Newcastle's bubble to burst. It's not going to burst. Uh, so we're uh, taking Newcastle to win at Southampton, 10 to 11. Liverpool from the middle of the Premier League. <laughs> Can you believe that? Uh, Liverpool to win at Tottenham. Uh, 11 to 10, they're going to come back. Liverpool will be back. And Leeds to beat Bournemouth um, at 8 to 11. I thought it might get a bit of a better price on Leeds. Uh, Bournemouth uh, wasting away uh, their season, uh, not replacing Gary O'Neill yet. Uh, And uh, obviously, when he came in, they had a couple of good results, as usual happens with a caretaker manager or whatever they call them uh, these days, interim managers. Uh, Bournemouth's bubble has burst. Leeds will beat him, confident that Leeds will win uh, at Ellen Road to beat Bournemouth at 8-11. to Ben, over to you. Top, middle or bottom? Yeah. Well, quickly, last week, minus four points for both of us. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to just have to say, genuinely, I, I don't know how you talked me into this bit being a good idea, Tony. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, the rest of the pod. It's great, just for fun. Yeah, the rest of the pod, right? Interest in racing angles and pointers and such like for our <laughs> listeners. Great. This bit, this is this is now just about me trying to find a way to beat Tony Mack. It's personal. <laughs> I've no idea how I'm going to do it, right? Trust me, I'm going to beat you somehow. Okay. Anyway, crack on. <laughs> Top, Chelsea to beat Arsenal at 7-4. Arsenal are going to be buggered from Europe. Their Europe. Yeah, what is it, the Europa League battle? Yeah, yes. On yeah. Thursday. Chelsea will do them at Stamford Bridge. Middle. Brentford to beat Nottingham Forest at eight to five. You know why? Because I just like the price. Bottom, <laughs> Leicester. Leicester to beat Everton at two to one. Leicester look like they're finally getting their act together. Two to one looks a decent price. Boom! Let's go. I'm taking Tony Mack down. Very good. Good. Uh, <laughs> that's, well, uh, we'll look forward not. to that. Look forward probably to that. Probably not good, Tony. But yeah, you know, I'll uh, try. All right, on to, the, uh, on to the final part. Here we go, Ben, here we go. Final part. Right, trends, stats, pointers, prime condition horses, you know the score. So uh, I am heading up to Kelso for the first of mine. Uh, this week I'm looking at the Lucinda Russell-Derek Fox partnership. Specifically, Class 4 races in October to December at Kelso. Under those conditions, they are 8 wins from 33 and 9 further places. 47 points profit in the last 5 or so years. I actually only got one qualifier on Saturday. An interesting one, though, in the shape of Castletown in the 2.53. You ran over hurdles at Kelso at the start of last month. Finished second behind a Nicky Nicky Richards horse called Rickety Gate who has since won very easily at a higher level from a £9 higher mark. Um, Castle Town, he goes back over fences here. He has a course and distance win and second on a CV already. He's also got race fitness over the rest of the field. This, it, I think it looks a good spot for him. Um, 
I've also got a bit more of a, a looser trainer pointer for the mud bath that's going to be taking place at Doncaster on the flat, heavy ground currently. Uh, William Haggis at Doncaster in October and November. A class 2 level or lower when the ground is riding soft or heavy. Since 2017, seven winners from 26. Another seven in the places, so that's 27% win strike rate. 54% win and play strike rate, 32 points profit. Uh, three potentials on Saturday, nine tenths in the 12.20, Mula Quab in the 2.05, and Nathaniel Green in the 3.13, which is actually the November handicap. And interesting draw start alert for the November handicap. Last 14 have all been drawn in stall nine or higher. 12 of the 14 drawn 12 or higher. So, Middle to high sort of draw for the November handicap is favourable. Tony, what you got? Good stuff. Interesting stuff. Yep, 150 at Wynn Canton on Saturday. The Emma Lavelle-trained Irish prophecy uh, for me appears to relish the early season skirmishes, Ben, uh, and can launch a bull build in this uh, competitive contest. The, uh, The Asimore... Gelding is three from six starts in November. He does like his November wins, does uh, Irish Prophecy. Uh, two from four at Wincanton, while the nine-year-old has won five of his seven career wins on good ground, which hopefully uh, we'll see out tomorrow. That's uh, Irish Prophecy, uh, possibly each way in the 150 at Wincanton. A little bit earlier as well. I've got them the wrong way around, but doesn't matter. Uh, 226. At Aintree, a very quick uh, Dan Skelton stat for you. Dan Skelton, novice hurdlers in November. Now, these go well uh, generally in uh, in November. Uh, so it's not just these two that I'm on about here. The Grey Dawning in the two, uh, 12.26 at Aintree. Dan Skelton, novice hurdlers in November angle. And he's had two... Novice hurdlers in November at Aintree over the years, and he's two from two at Aintree since uh, He and No Evil won in 2017 and Wild About Oscar winning in 2020. So since 2017, he's having his third uh, runner uh, at Aintree in a novice hurdle in November. It's Grey Dawning in the 12.26, having uh, already had two, two from two at Aintree since uh, 2017. I'm going to just back you up a little bit there, Tony, on that one quickly. Just a little. Actually, a quick, no, a quick jet. Um, Dan Skelton was Fleming's first hurdlers on hurdle debut. Six wins from 22, three in the places, 27% strike rate. So in one of your favourite angles, Dan Skelton knows the best place to place a Fleming first yeah. uh, kid on hurdle debut. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Good stuff, mate. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to have to go because uh, I'm reeling um, from the uh, top, middle, or bottom being personal now. I'm in shock, oh, Ben. Personal. I thought we were it's friends. <laughs> yeah, well, when it comes to top, middle, or bottom, there's no friends, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, thanks for joining us. Uh, after the uh, theme has faded out, VAR George will be back with uh, uh, Boxing Double for you. Many thanks for listening to the fourth edition of the Racing Pod Blast. We'll be back again for more of the same next week but until then you can catch myself tony mccormick uh, monday to friday on epic radio uh, alexa open epic radio alexa start 
Epic Radio. Uh, that's between 5am and 7am. Racing news, sporting headlines, back pages, classic tracks and today's best music. And you can read plenty more racing insight from Ben over at narrowingthefield.co.uk. That's narrowingthefield.co.uk. Thanks very much for joining us to this week. See you all next week. I'll be taking a look at the DAZN card in Abu Dhabi on Saturday night. The main event sees Dimitri Bivol defend his WBA light heavyweight title against the undefeated former world champion Gilberto Ramirez. Bivol, also undefeated, is of course coming off the biggest profile win of his career against Canelo last May. Bivol is the favourite here and I favour him massively to beat Ramirez. Despite Ramirez's superior size and perceived punching power, he's not stepped into the ring with someone of Bivol's calibre in his 44 fight career. Bivol's faster feet, faster hands and boxing IQ should allow him to stay in control throughout the 12 rounds en route to a points victory. I do quite like the look of Bivol to win a unanimous points decision at 11-10 to 10 on Skybet as a single, which has been price boosted from 10-11. to 11. But um, then for our double, we'll just go for Bivol to win on points at 4-7 to 7 on Skybet as well. On the undercard, Manchester's Zelfa Barrett fights Shavkat Rakimov for the vacant IBF super featherweight title. I see this fight as a big step up to world level for Barrett and I think he'll come across a lot of difficulties. Rakimov is undefeated and was close to winning the same belt almost two years ago when battling to a draw with Jojo Diaz. I think we may see the difference in levels here so I'll go for Rakimov to win the fight at 1-4 to on Skybet and that brings the double to somewhere between 10-11 to and evens on Skybet.